0: Welcome to the Steadfast Podcast, where we as a community of believers dive deep past the waves of this modern world and its culture into ourselves to find a deeper truth to anchor ourselves to. I'm your host, Brayden Singer, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Henry McGalliard. Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for uh, joining us again today. Um, It's afternoon right now. Whenever you're listening, uh, we're just happy to have you. Uh, We're very excited to continue our series today of having guests on the show, and Uh, having them talk about their life and their experience and how they've seen God work through um, their endeavors and uh, today I'm really excited about this episode. Um, We have uh, with us one of the earliest um, spiritual leaders in my life. Uh, He was our sixth grade teacher and uh, I had the unique opportunity to work with him one summer as well uh, doing maintenance for, for Harding University. And he's just such a great guy. I always admired his work ethic, and he always has um, something encouraging and, and uh, very enlightening to say. And we're just so thankful to have Mr. Braden Kill on the show. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited about this time. Thank you.
0: So, Braden, tell us a little bit about yourself and your story and your faith walk and how it has affected the person you have become and are becoming.
2: Yeah, um, I will start by saying, i to have to start way, way, way back. So I was actually a missionary kid um, in Africa. I was born there, and my parents were missionaries, and that, um, that experience and that opportunity afforded me a very unique perspective and a very unique start to my life. Um, I was, in general, I was really the youngest kid on the missionary team, so I kind of feel like this theme in my life of always feeling like I needed to prove something or, or kind of show out. I kind of feel like that started on the mission field when I was the youngest kid on the missionary team. And I think that that theme, you know, throughout my life and growing up persisted, you know. I always felt like, and I, and I still struggle with it to a degree, although it's different. God's refining me, but I've always felt like I've struggled to prove something that I've got I've to make sure people know um, you know and make sure people know that um you know that i am seen um and this persisted um it has persisted you know just growing up that battle right there i uh, moved to, i moved to the states to america when i was uh, six years old um i grew up most of my american life most of my life in abilene texas and i uh, gave my life to christ um i was water baptized at age 13 um summer between my 7th and 8th grade year, and I, I would say, you know, that was that was the beginning of my journey, was really the beginning of my journey, and um, God showing himself and revealing himself to me, and, and just the beginning of my relationship with him. Um, all through middle school and all through high school, I really, really struggled with um, depression and anxiety, and again, just feeling like I need to prove myself, and and really my identity, um, and I think that that's a, a common battle for all of us, is um, is our identity, how does God see us, you know, how does, um,
3: who does God really say that we are, and we just, I, I had a hard time, and I know we have
2: a hard time believing the truth, believing that we are beloved, believing we do have value, believing that we really don't have anything to prove, and, and that's such a big part of my story. Um, when I got to high school, um, this, you know, this, this intense need to prove myself and this intense kind of confusion with how I saw myself and how I wanted other people to view me, it really escalated and um, I, I got really, really depressed um, as um, high school uh, went on and on into my junior and senior year. Um, I was quote-unquote diagnosed with body dysmorphic. Which is essentially just ODD, um, sorry OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, but um, in the direction of being obsessed with your body and how your body looks. And um, and and I fought this, and I fought this depression, and um, I started taking uh, medication, and I, I have no problem with medication. I think. myself that you know this really isn't that bad or you know it could be worse Mm -hmm. and that just wasn't true like it was sin it was I was completely entangled in it and it was completely owning me and and God
3: um, eventually supernaturally honestly rescued me from that and um and I just want to pause for a second because I think that this is really
2: really really important I like the Lord's putting this on my heart about pornography and sexual sin in general And that is, there is a common lie, and and I believed this for so long. There is a common lie, just with sin in general,
3: but specifically pornography, that it could always be worse. At least I'm not Mm -hmm. doing this.
2: Or, um, you know, I've got this under control. And that cannot be further from the truth. That is one of the most powerful and excessive lies of sin, and that Satan throws is that we have it under control that we can shake ourselves free and that it's not a big deal and the reality is that pornography ultimately brings death absolute spiritual death Mm -hmm. and it affects everything and I'll even go past that sin affects generations and generations and generations and one of the biggest lies of sin too is that it only affects me it only Mm -hmm. affects me and that is not true it affects everything that you touch it, it affects your children and your children's children in mm-hmm. generations it has a rippling effect and um god opened my eyes to see that and i, I wanted so desperately to get out of it and he supernaturally helping with that um i'm gonna keep going i'm almost done talking about my story uh so i i wanted to become
3: a teacher in college Made that happened. God opened some doors. I felt very called
2: and very convicted that my role in the kingdom, my role in the kingdom that God had for me, was to inspire and mentor young people and and be bold in that and point them to Christ. And God opened that door. He opened that door at Hardy Academy, and that's that's obviously how I know you guys. And I'm kind of getting emotional thinking about it and talking about it. And it's just it's just cool to see um, cool to see the fruit. is
0: what you talked about with just you know when you're really pursuing God and you really have that relationship going Satan will come in and trying to attack you and it's just it's oh yeah cool. he go ahead oh yeah he and one,
2: I was going to say one thing that I've learned is um you know first of all he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world when you mm-hmm. have when you say yes to Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit um know, the power of evil, he's no match, but having said that, I have seen, and I have noticed, and I've realized, the more I've lived my life, Satan, he has a lot of power, he's very strategic, he's very opportunistic, and, um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, when I look back at my life, and I look at the, the the vulnerabilities that I had in my life, and the seasons where I was the most vulnerable, that's when he, that's when he showed up, and he, anyways, he, he knows what he's doing, and that's not, I
3: think
0: yeah. we
2: need to have a healthy respect of him, but obviously at the same time, he who is in
0: us is greater than he is in the world, for sure. Definitely. That's really mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah,
1: And I think uh, something that was really interesting, we talked about a couple weeks back, about how whenever you're going down the right path, Satan will put a target on your back, and he will make sure that it, may, it is very difficult to stay on that path. And I think that that definitely rings true here. Um, what, what do you think? Oh, um, 100%. I mean, in some ways,
2: I know this is kind of a, this could be an interesting view on this, but I think it's worth a discussion and a thought. I think sometimes when when, when we're under attack, it's almost a compliment in a way, because yeah. if, if, if Satan wasn't So in a way, in a way, in a cool way, it's kind of a compliment. Like, okay, I must, maybe I must be doing something right. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. I think the key, the key is 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 just absolute utter dependence on God, absolute utter dependence on um, His Holy Spirit to 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 remain faithful and, and to carry us through those seasons and those moments when Satan is really, really coming after us.
1: I, com- I completely agree with that, and I think also that kind of, um, I kind of want to go back to uh, a conversation that you, you were uh, talking about, how um, you, whenever you were younger, you imagined God kind of worked in a certain way, and, and he was kind of, you know, in the box and that type of thing, and I think that whenever we look at, you know, the power of God and um, combating that kind, of, uh, that kind of evil that Satan brings... It really does display how he works through all sorts of situations, and uh, I know that like um, a lot of times you were talking about the, the cycle of shame and relief. Um, a lot of times like that cycle, um, God uses that um, to show to, to kind of show us who he is uh, through our shortcomings. He kind of shows his his perfect love through that, and um, and I just yes, think yes, yes. absolutely, Andrew, yes, you're spot
0: on awesome <laughs> but yeah so question number two if you could sum up your life in one word what would it be and why that word resonates with you um, honestly um, the, the, the first word
2: that I, I think of is, is the word dependence um, I when I look back at my life and, and the more I live my life, the more experiences I have, the more I feel like, um, just, you know, the more wisdom that God allows me to have, the more and more I realize I literally can do nothing good without Him. Like, I'm completely dependent on Him, 100%. He, he, he's everything. He is the provider. He's everything. And and yes, I have to, I have to say yes and I have to work in in a lot of ways I have to actively participate in what he has for me but it's ultimately him it's him who sustains it's Mm -hmm. him who gives the power it's him Mm. who gives the words it's him who gives the physical energy it's him who provides the money it's him who provides the food he is the provider that's who he is you know he's Jehovah Jireh he is the God who provided for Abraham when Abraham was about to sacrificed Isaac and, and he provided a ram in the bush in the thicket he is the provider He is that's what he is, it's in his nature and, and the more I've lived, the more I've seen and, and when I look at my journey he has provided every single step of the way and he's going to continue to do that, he did that for us in mm-hmm. 2020 he did mm-hmm. that for the church he did that for this country even though he we went through so many things and will continue to go through so, so many things he is a provider That's who he is And we have to remain dependent on Him. Independence is a complete illusion. It Mm -hmm. is a complete illusion. We are solely dependent on Him and His power. And that's what we have to rest, and that's why I have to rest daily. It's a daily thing. That's why Jesus said we have to pick up our cross daily. It's not monthly, it's daily. Mm
1: -hmm. If I can do nothing without you, Father, you have to show up in my life. You have to show up in this situation. I completely agree with that, and I think—I want to go back to what you were saying about independence being a great illusion. I think that it's really, really easy for us in our culture because we have a very individual-focused culture. We have Mm -hmm. a very, very much, you know, what I'm going to do is the way that I want to do it, and what I think is right is right. And it's just not true. And I think that, you know, especially looking at the need for God, we're all designed to be seekers, there's something within human beings that looks for something to make them feel complete, to be complete, and that something is God. And a lot of times, you know, we we, uh, we as humans search for the search for that in the wrong aspects and in the wrong places. And I think that you know that God uh, God is really you know he's the focal point that we need to focus on because whenever we try to find. That independence from him, we try to make build our own lives around the things that we think are going to make us happy, we just, it falls apart. It's like sand. I mean, every
2: time, Henry, you're spot on. Every time. I mean, anything I try in my life that I've tried to build and tried to make happen on my own, it's, it's a flop, man. It's,
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's a disaster. Like, it, it's all him. It's him, it's him, it's him. Yeah, I've noticed that with myself too. Whenever I want to go down a route or a path that I think, you know, in my head, I think, yeah, this is this is the way, and I don't rely on God or ask God for guidance. It never goes, never goes well. <laughs> and no, so, no, and I, I mean,
3: and let me let me
2: add to that. So, God is pleased by faith. I mean that that is what he is. He is he is pleased by faith. He one of the, mm-hmm. the one of the greatest gifts we can give him is just is just trust,
0: mm, and definitely.
3: he honors that trust. Even even those even those little baby steps of
2: trust and faith, he will honor those. Even if even if it's so small, he will take that and he will delight in that, and he will make that fruitful in some kind of way. And it's just so cool about him, and, and just it's a testament to how good he is. But yeah, I mean,
3: we need him all the time, and he. And, and in that needing him, faith plays a big, big part, and he
2: responds to that faith.
1: Mm, I completely agree, and I think also um, it's important to uh, to have that that dependence and that focus on him because whenever we, you know, whenever we try to uh, complete ourselves with other things, it always ends up hurting us, and it always ends up breaking us. And I think it's important to note for the Christian that there's a reason why every time that we try to build some build our lives on something that isn't God, that it falls apart. And it's because he loves us too much to see us go down that path and, and to not be ultimately fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So this isn't, yep. this isn't one of the questions I sent you, but, um, this just came to mind whenever I was talking to JC, we brought up instant gratification culture. Yeah. Yep. What, what is your opinion on instant gratification culture? I mean, it's, it's
2: definitely a thing. You know, it's, it's even something that, as a 32 year old man, I you know, I, I, I fall into that trap at times. I'm tempted, to, and you know, in itself, I don't know that it's, it's necessarily wrong or sinful. But this this idea and this culture of instant gratification can be very, very, very problematic mm-hmm. because you know, God God is a God who Um, You know, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. You know, he is so patient with us, um, and and time is not a thing to him. And and, and at the same time, his timing is perfect. And when we're enveloped in this instant gratification culture, um, a lot of times God is answering our prayers, but in our instant gratification culture and mindset, we think God's abandoned us, or we think yeah, God right. has forsaken us, or we think God is not answering our prayers. When, in fact, behind the scenes, oh, you have no idea. You're doing so, so much. And and so, absolutely, that instant gratification
0: culture uh, can be really problematic, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah. Definitely.
1: I agree with that, and I think that a lot of the problems that come from instant gratification culture stem from it being more of a self-focused agenda, I think, because whenever we're living for God, yeah. our, our, our focus is much more on, on Jesus and becoming more like Him and, and serving other people, but with instant gratification culture, it's exactly that. It's looking to gratify ourselves, and it's saying, what makes me feel good and what is good for me right now? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I'll, and I'll add to that, Henry, is, um, you know, especially the last couple of years, I've, I've noticed that some of the most beautiful things that God does and that God reveals takes time. And um, some of the things that he refines in us and through us and through our situations and our circumstances, they take time. You know, God can do anything. He can change things in a heartbeat. He can change things overnight. But there's something beautiful and something um, just different about things that take time and, and going through the journey and walking through that journey. And it, there, there is a refining nature to it. And, I, and there's beauty in that. And I, in, in like, like we're kind of talking about, that, that's easily lost when we're always wanting quick fix Is We, we lose the... the, the Gems and, and the pearls in the process and the process can be beautiful
1: i agree with that a lot and uh, last week we talked about our society being a microwave society and that we want what we want right now and we don't want to have the process like you were saying of of having the more quality and the better um the better option and i think that that's a really really good point i think god designed us in a way that whenever we get something that is instant, it isn't as satisfying, you know? I mean, it can be as satisfying, but typically, but typically the the quality of something is is through the time and the process that it took to make it good. Come on, that's that's
2: right, I love it,
3: yep.
1: And I also wanted to, I wanted to talk a little bit more about, um, more about identity, because that is a really, really um, crucial Uh, discussion in our society today and a lot of times people we see it all over the place people are trying to find their identity and maybe it's their job maybe it's their social economic class maybe it's their race you know maybe it's their gender you know we see it all the time people are looking for something to call themselves something that makes them have that that belonging that that place of of this is who i am and I think that... Right. I'm, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I just saying, I'm just absolutely keep going, you're good, you're good. Okay, sorry. And, uh, but like, you know, we see it all the time in our culture, and I just think that it's so so important for Christians to be out there in the forefront and saying like, guys, yeah, there's a reason why you're looking for an identity, and it's because you, you're supposed to have one in something that's deeper than anything this world can offer. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Uh, you're, you're exactly right um,
2: just just pointing to that Henry you know really and truly the very first temptation that Satan ever threw at Jesus when he was in the wilderness after he was baptized and the spirit came on him the first thing that Satan told Jesus in the wilderness is he said if you are the son of God so
3: mm-hmm.
2: he's, he's saying if you're the son of God in other words if That is your identity, even though Satan knows that, even though Jesus knows that, even though God just revealed, well, at least to us in Scripture,
3: at that point when Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, he says, this is my son, and
2: him I'm well pleased. But that's the first thing Satan tries to attack and tries to get Jesus to question is his identity. That's the very Mm -hmm. first thing he tempts them to question. And you're exactly right. Identity is foundational. It's completely Mm -hmm. foundational. If we knew and we grasped who we are fully and we believed in faith that what Jesus, what God, what Holy Spirit says about us is true, it changes everything.
1: It completely is the foundation. It's the building block. Absolutely. And I think, you know, looking at that, talking about foundation and that type of thing, building your life on that identity, that identity being found in Jesus and and in his sacrifice and the hope for eternal life and and brotherhood with Jesus, you know, that's so much deeper than anything this world can offer, and it's so much more satisfying than, say, sex or drugs or anything else this that is substance in this world. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I think I'm, I I want to kind of take it back a little bit because we talked about pornography a little bit, but I think one of the biggest uh, you're talking about Satan tempting Jesus through uh, questioning his identity. I think the biggest way that he does that for Christians is through sin and, and specifically pornography. Um, because I know that like a lot of guys, most guys will struggle with pornography in their lives. And and it's so important to talk about because there's a stigma to it. But I mean, it's true. Every man to some degree is going to struggle with that. And yeah. Satan will come in and he will... That, that's one of his strongest points is he comes, uh, like you were saying, in, in those moments of weakness, in that cycle of shame, he will come in those low moments and say, you're not a Christian. You don't belong to God. You're dirty. You're filthy. And, and he he speaks these lies that that really hurt us.
3: Yeah, he does. Absolutely.
1: And I think it's, it's important to to recognize that You know, there's so much more than just, you know, that moment. And there's so much more than that because, you know, the the payment for for the sin and that shame has already been paid. And Jesus said, You are good enough, you are my you are my brother and and God says, You are my son because he said, I love you so much that I'm going to die for you. I'm gonna take that punishment for the shame that you feel, for the shortcomings, for the sin, and I'm gonna put it on myself so that you don't have to deal with that anymore.
2: Amen, amen. And I,
1: you're, that's, that's spot on, Henry. And I'm going to
2: add to that, um, you know, having having struggled with pornography myself during a season of my life and, and having God rescue me from that. And let me tell you right now, that was not me who rescued myself
3: from pornography. Mm-hmm. That was not me at all. We, we have this concept at times that, that we can shake ourselves free, that we can overcome, that
2: we're really, really and truly not owned by this sin or this um, you know, not that bad sin, but it, it God is the only one who can shake us free. And, anyways, having said that, um, you know, ha- having been on the other side now of, of that struggle of pornography and, and having been married now for almost six years, I mean, I, like knowing what the knowing what the counterfeit is like, obviously the.
0: said it's counterfeit because I saw a post on Instagram saying how we live in a counterfeit culture full of these counterfeit oh, things yeah. they give us like social media hmm. is counterfeit real life and you know like you're saying pornography is counterfeit of the real thing and oh yeah and-
1: very true and I think like it's important to, to note what you were saying and whenever things are, are done the way that they were designed by God to be they are so much more fulfilling than anything that Satan can offer
0: oh man yes, absolutely, preach but Yeah. so question number three tell us what spiritual leadership means to you um, yeah, that's that's a
2: good question. I think I will start with saying um, spiritual leadership or a spiritual leader first and foremost has to be dedicated and has to be completely grounded in the Word of God. That, 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 is, that is absolutely foundational. That, that has not changed. It will never change. The Word of God does not change, period.
3: Mm. And and so the, the foundation
2: and the that has been said in Scripture and by Jesus' example, that that is that is it. That is that is the foundation. Um, and I, I'm going to add to that, and, and really um, tied together with that, I, I think the, the the trait that comes to mind um, most glaring is is humility. Mm-hmm. A spiritual leader, spiritual leadership looks like humility, and what humility does. Humility always points, at least in this context, humility always points back to Jesus. Always. And something that's so cool about God's nature, and it never really occurred to me until um, pretty recently, like even even the triune God, you know, the, the three person of God himself, Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God, they all point to one another. Jesus points back to God. Holy Spirit points back to God. God points to Jesus. They're all giving each other, you know, they're all giving each other um, (laughs) props, you know, that they're they're pointing Mm -hmm. each other, pointing back at each other. And so it's just God in his nature is humble. He is a humble God. And that's just like, and he is the creator of the universe. You know, he has every right to be the most prideful God and the most arrogant God, but yet he is literally the most humble being in the universe and and obviously he embodied that in jesus when he became flesh but humility is number one guys number one and then i'm going to add the humility i'm going to add boldness Mm -hmm. and i I would even say um boldness looks like at least the boldness we're talking about looks like humility with a backbone um humility Mm -hmm. doesn't always mean um you know backing down to whatever culture wants us to do or um backing down to compromise um, things that are not uh, the truth. Um, Humility with a backbone or boldness. um, We have to have wisdom and discernment uh, when to have that backbone and and the Holy Spirit provides that. But there are times where God calls us to stand firm, to be uncompromised. And to the world, sometimes that might look rude. We can do it gracefully. But that boldness is a because God, Holy Spirit, Jesus have called us to represent truth and grace, and Jesus obviously modeled that perfectly.
1: Mm, I think that's a that's a really, really good point, and I think it's, like you were saying, it's very difficult sometimes to balance that boldness and humility, and I really think that the only way that we can truly have um, the most, cl- the clearest discernment about that would be to have our eyes solely fixed on God and have our have our uh, priorities priorities and, and focus being what would he do in this situation and, and what what does he do in scripture uh, through the life of Jesus that, that kind of shows us how we're supposed to react and, and respond to certain uh certain situations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely,
2: absolutely. Yeah, not not every situation is equal for sure and, and, and that's part of that dependence on him and dependence on his on the Holy Spirit is is, you know, talk to them, listen to
3: them. Um, God, what, what do you want me to say in this situation? How do you want me to respond? Do you want me to be quiet? Do you want me to be bold? Do you want me to
2: submit? You know, what? And, and, really, and really not every situation, like I said, is equal, and it really requires discernment.
0: It obviously requires a foundation in the Word, but it requires just a dependency on, you know, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Yeah, it's it's funny you mention about humility in spiritual leadership because I've read about military leadership and they all say you cannot have ego in your leadership.
2: Oh yeah, I mean yeah, that, that, that's that's spot on, Braden. Absolutely. I think I think um, you know people people don't want to follow people don't want to respond to arrogance. You know, mm-hmm. really and truly, absolutely.
1: And I think the biggest, the biggest aspect that we, we talk about with leadership is example, because we're talking about how you know Jesus is our leader, but he led by example. He showed us how to love and how to live, and I think that's exactly what uh, what you're hitting on too there with that humility is you you know spiritual leaders reach down and they they don't stand on top of people, but they lift people up. Yeah, come on, absolutely.
2: I mean that's that, that's why Jesus models modeled his leadership by washing his disciples' feet,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: that you know that is paradigm shifting. You know, it, it makes mm-hmm. no sense to the carnal mind because wh- why would we? Why would we? Why would the King of the universe, the King, the Messiah who's come? Why on earth would he wash his disciples' disgusting feet? But that's absolutely right. He showed that example, and that's true. Hmm.
1: And I think also. Uh... We uh, we were talking about how uh, Jesus's leadership with, with his disciples, you know, that was very very much him just going above and beyond anything else. And I think that a lot of times, you know, leaders will have other people do the stuff that is non-desirable, the things that are um, that you know would be considered for for the lower ranking to do and that type of thing. But I mean, Jesus came to this earth, you know, the creator of the universe and humbled himself, not just to wash his disciples' feet, but going so far as to die a criminal's death so that we could be free from sin. And I just think that that in itself, being able to lower, to not just lower yourself, but to give yourself up for other people and, and to, uh, to have that, that kind of love where it doesn't really matter what happens to me as long as other people are being brought closer to God amen man that's that's true purpose right there and that that is the most
0: life-giving purpose that's what we were created that's the purpose we were created for and that is the most fulfilling purpose right there yeah uh what would you say to christians who who want that leadership role who want to be spiritual leaders but they're kind of scared to take that next step what would you say to them Yeah, good question.
2: Um, I think, first and foremost, I think you have to, and we kind of sort of define spiritual leadership, Mm -hmm. you know, but really and truly, I think that even in the church, uh, sometimes uh, we don't fully understand what what spiritual leadership looks like, because, I mean, even in the church, it's a temptation to think and only think that spiritual leadership is preaching, or that spiritual leadership yes. is leading songs, or that spiritual leadership is, you know, out in front of people. And that's just mm-hmm. not true. I mean, it can look like that, but spiritual leadership can also look like washing people feet, you know? And so... I think first we have to really, really understand and, and explore what what spiritual leadership looks like. Spiritual leadership can look like so many things, and and anybody who is and people that are afraid um, or people that are, are on the fence about um, you know how can I how can I be more of a spiritual leader? Um, I would say this. I would say, what are the strengths that God has given you? What are you good at? What are you passionate about? Pray about those things. Listen to God. Listen to the Holy Spirit about those things. And if you put something on your heart, act in faith, you know. And God's going to honor that faith. He is going to absolutely honor that faith. And that's, you know, that's, that's something about God is, you know, he he is good. He is faithful. He is someone who partners with us. You know, he waits, mm-hmm. and, and usually he waits for us to to make the first move. You know, and, mm-hmm. and all that takes is one step forward, and he's going to honor that faith. And um, that's what I would say. I would say, you know, what are your passions? What are your strengths? Ask God about those. Um, and, and, you know, and, and listen to him on that. And then act in faith. And, and maybe, it's, maybe it's something really, really small. But to be honest, like, God, God can use anything, right? God can use the faith of a mustard seed. That's what he does. And he can make this huge, massive, beautiful tree. And, anyways, it's 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 acting and say little things, and and spiritual leadership is so much bigger than I think we
1: even yeah. give it credit. Yeah, I think you're exactly right on that, and um, I really, really, um, I really appreciate what you were saying about looking for uh, just looking where God leads you, like knowing what He has blessed you with, and, and the the abilities and what you're good at and that type of thing and I would say also that he will provide opportunities for those for for uh, you to take that leap of faith and to to take that first step and I think you know that's another thing that we that we really need to to focus on is like take those opportunities because you never know whenever you're going to have another one yes
2: absolutely yeah he will honor that Henry and Bray he will honor that and and those of you listening um he will honor your faith. That's who he is. And even when it's really, really small, he will honor it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. And, um, you know, he talks about if you are faithful with little, you will be faithful with much. And so I think it's important also to note that, you know, it's exactly what you are saying. Sometimes it isn't always the big stuff. Sometimes it's the baby steps, the small things. But those small little things can have huge impacts on people's lives. And it's just, it's really beautiful because you look at, you know, the same God that created the amazing grandiose of the universe and the planets also created you know the atoms and the molecules and and He's in the details too. It's not just the great amazing works. You know, it's it's in the small baby steps that that His glory is revealed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. To you, what do you think is the most important trait that a Christian can have?
2: Um, I, I, keep, I keep going back to humility. I keep going back to humility, humility, humility. And I think it, it's also very timely, our culture right now. You know, um, the political culture that we've had this last year and the, the coronavirus that hit and, and all the different perspectives and takes on, on different cultural wars. Um, humility, I really, really believe that people are drawn to humility, kind of like we talked about, Braden, when you were talking about um, the Army mm-hmm. and, and leaders in the Army. Um, people are drawn to humility. People are not drawn to arrogance. People are not drawn um, yeah, to pride humble, but also be confident that we know who we are, and we know the truth. And just because, you know, because we can stand firm in truth and say that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life, just because we can stand there, we can also be humble about it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I just keep coming back to humility, guys. Humility is desperately needed right now in our culture. Oh, man. (laughs) I agree. pride Pride right now is so, so tempting, and pride is what divides, really is. Mm. Pride is what's dividing a lot of people and a lot of um, uh, circles right now, and, and humility is desperately needed. And so I, you know, there's a lot of other things I could talk about and say, but I, humility is is up there, and humility is so timely right now in our culture.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you know, with social media, we have to show like our best highlight reels all the time. What we've got going on, you know. You see the people who are most popular right now on social media; they've got all this stuff going on, all these cars and all that. And like you're saying, we really need humility right now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think-
2: absolutely. Hum- humility is rare, guys. Humility. <laughs> humility is. I think it is a. It really is a, lit, a, litmus, a litmus test that you know that we're submitting to God and, and His Spirit because humility is, is rare, and it's even it don't it even feels rare in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I said, we can we can be firm, we can be bold, we can have a backbone, but we can also be humble at the same time about it.
1: Mm, that's really really important, and I said this last week a little bit, or I mentioned something like it. That we have a lot of talkers nowadays and we don't have a whole lot of listeners. And I think that it also, as Christians, you know, part of that humility is being able to say, you know what, I'm going to listen to this person. You know, they may be wrong, they may be living a life that's, you know, completely opposite to the way that God intended, but I'm going to listen to them and I'm going to show them the love of Christ through my respect of them. And then I can, you know, I can be a light for them by just giving them that courtesy of, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to be humble. But I'm also going to stand up for what I believe in. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Come on, come on. Um,
2: yeah, I think I think humility. I think humility opens the door, Henry. I think it opens the door to people um, wanting to hear more about the gospel, too. You know, mm. I think obviously truth. Obviously, truth is needed, and we are grounded in truth. But sometimes the best way to go about it is, is not. Is obviously, not to. To, not to throw stones first, mm-hmm. but it's to, it's to connect, it's to be marked by humility and, and allowing those walls to come down and, and people are more receptive to the gospel because they recognize something different about you. You have this humility yeah. about you and, mm-hmm. and that gives us an opportunity to, to speak
1: the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that comes from, again, recognizing the grace that we've been given too because we're all imperfect and we're all broken and we just... You know, we're just beggars who know where to find bread, so to say. Yeah, that's awesome, yes. Alrighty, so, uh, what is the biggest difference, do you think, from being a teenager and being a young adult?
0: What are the biggest <laughs> lesson you've learned?
3: Biggest lessons?
0: Um,
2: I, that's a good question. Uh, growing up, and, and even in college, I, I I didn't you know I had always heard in scripture, and I had always heard from my parents, and I had heard at church that God was good and that, and that God could be trusted. But I, I always fought that, you know. I I always wanted to go my own way. I always wanted to do my own thing, and I always felt like God was was a you know was a slave driver or a slave master, and He was going to make me um, just do these crazy, crazy things that um, we're just going to feel like like I, you know, that, I, that really I was a slave. And I kind of have to be careful um, with how I say this. Yes, we are slaves to Christ. Yes, um, uh, we owe Him everything. But God is really, 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 really good. The more I've lived my life, the more mm-hmm. I've seen and experienced His heart, that He really, 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 really... really wants us and he wants to pursue us and he wants good things for us and a lot of times those good things don't necessarily look like what we think they're going to look like but his intention and his heart is so so good and i've seen that time and time again guys and the more i've lived you know into my young adult life the more i've seen god's faithfulness and the more i've seen his heart and the more i've seen his pursuit of me and my wife. and and i can tell you guys story after story of, of just crazy cool things, supernatural things that God has done. It's just a testament to, to his goodness, that he can be trusted. Um, and if you guys don't mind, I would I would love to share some of those stories. Y'all want to hear some of those
0: stories? Absolutely. Definitely.
2: <laughs> so, um, you know, I, 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 I've lived my life, and, and the more I've lived my life, I've, I've seen... In, in real time and real experiences that that God is good and that he wants
3: to provide for, for us his children and just, just an example of this is
2: um, when I was, um, when I was in high school uh, I, I spoke at an FCA rally um, in Abilene Texas and um, after that FCA rally uh, this random guy that I had never met in my life, um, never met him before. Didn't knew who he was, and he kind of freaked me out. To be honest with you, he came up to me and he started um, he started prophesying over me. He started telling me um, about my life, and he drew this picture. And I, I, I honestly, at the time, I thought he was really weird. I didn't think much about it. But he drew this picture, and what I remember is he drew this picture of this building, and it had these columns on it. And there was, I think, there was a bridge in it. And he said to me, "This was when I was in high school." He said. God is going to use you to be a bridge to me for young people, Mm. and I didn't think anything of it, you know, at the time, and at that time in my life, you know, I thought I was going to be a gym owner, I thought I was going to be a personal trainer, and, you know, fast forward to my last semester in college, I had completely forgotten about that story, And, and I was In my final weeks before I was about to graduate from college and I was about to graduate with my teaching license and and Satan was really uh, messing with me during that time. You know, are you sure you want to be a teacher? Is this really what you want to do? Is this really what God has for you? And I just remember being in a desperate state and my spirit being in a desperate state and just crying out to God. And I remember very specifically the Holy Spirit pointing me and reminding me to that moment when that strange, weird dude in high school prophesied that over me. And I, I remember very specifically and very vividly God reminding me, that word was for you in this moment. I am going to use you to spread my kingdom to young people. I am going to use you as a mm. teacher. And and it was just, it was so sweet of him, guys. It was, he, he, he provides breadcrumbs like that. He provides manna like that. And, um... Yeah, and, and, and guys, I've got story after story after story of God just uh, just pursuing and, and
0: wooing me and uh, just reminding me of who He is and that He's in the details, that He's real. Yeah, hmm. wow. That's incredible. <laughs> that is very incredible, definitely. But yeah, I mean, you, you want to share another story?
2: Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, there's a there's, uh there's there's a time where um, my wife and I really, really needed a car. This was actually not that long ago, and I mean, just yes, we're talking about God in the details, and this is just crazy. Before, before my wife and I moved to Northwest Arkansas, I remember my wife saying, "Braden, this is going to sound crazy, but I think God is is telling me that He's going to give us a free car because He knows, basically, you know, because He knows that we're going to need one." And I was thinking. What on earth? You know, in in the moment at the time when that word is given, when God drops those breadcrumbs of encouragement, um, you know, a lot of times it doesn't make sense at the time. A lot of times it's for a future season. But lo and behold, man, uh, you know, months later, I'm telling you, um, God provided a free car to us. I had a friend that I worked with here in Springdale, and he had this old van. That he wasn't driving, and he literally, like on his own initiative, was like, "Hey,
3: would you guys like this band? You know, like, would you guys just want this?" happened.
2: And I'm telling you guys, it got got him so so good, mm-hmm. and he his heart is so good, his intentions are good. Um, I, I've got another story that will, will will probably probably shock a lot of people, but. Um, just recently this was last year at, at, at my job, okay? So last year was my second year at Springdale and my first year at Springdale, so two years ago, my my first year at Springdale, it was so hard, guys. It was rough. I mean, I had an awful, awful year. My first year at the public school. I mean, I was just so discouraged. Mm-hmm. I felt so beat up. I felt so worthless. Um, it was just really, really humbling. And I'm really thankful for that season, but I knew, and I held on to uh, what I felt convicted and what I felt like God gave me a word of that God was was going to bring a season still at in Springdale when I when, where I'm a teacher that there would be some really encouraging fruit that would come and that um, it, it would just be great. So, anyway, so my second year, last year, um, God, you know, God gave me the opportunity and some people an opportunity to bring back. Um, this um, Christian club at this public school, right? Fellowship of Christian Students, and so we started back this club last year at, at Sonora Middle School. Where I teach, and <laughs> this is crazy, guys. I talking about talking about not putting God in a box. So um, I, I we're, we're at this Christian club, um, which, by the way, I can only do during lunch or before school because legally you know those aren't school hours so legally mm-hmm. I can be as bold as I want and um, we, can, I, we can preach the gospel and we can talk about Jesus um, and, and students can choose to come but <laughs> there was there was a there was a moment a crazy moment um, one of those days that we had this FDS club where um, I, I've never seen God show up like this and I'll be honest with you guys um I, I've never seen this before. I, I know and knew that God can do this and God can use this but there was a there was a seventh grade boy who just kept crying, kept crying and I thought something was wrong. This was during the S D S and I couldn't tell if he was just really touched, like it was a happy cry um, mm. or if it was like you know, it was a sad cry, like maybe something was triggered and there was some trauma going on. And I just went up to him and I said, Hey, I said, you know, you know, what's going on? Um, you know, what what are you crying about? Is there anything I can do? Can I help you? Is it, you know, do I need to tell the school counselor, blah, blah, blah. And he just kept crying. He kept crying and he, he wouldn't tell me. And he was a bilingual student. So he speaks Spanish. He spoke Spanish and English. And, and he said something to me, you know, in between his crying and I assumed that it was Spanish. And, um, I said, "Hey, buddy." I said, "I don't speak Spanish." I said, "You're gonna have to tell me in English." And then he just kept crying, kept crying. So, anyways, I said, "All right." I said, um, I, "I've got to, you know, I've got to go to my teacher meeting. You've got to go to class. So, you know, I'll see you later, and we can talk later." Because he just wasn't telling me. So, fast forward another hour, he comes back to my math class, and he's like super happy, super joyful, just a very different, different um, demeanor about him. And I pull him out the hallway, and I was like, "Hey, Jesse," I said. You know, what was all that about? You know, was that a was that like a good cry? Was that a sad cry? Tell me about it. And he said, I'm I'm, I'm totally good, Mr. Kell. I'm I'm actually really really happy and joyful. And I said, awesome. So you know, what was all that about? And he still would tell me. And then finally, he looked at me, and he said, By the way, Mr. Kell, that wasn't Spanish. And I said, "What?" And he said, "He said I was speaking in tongues." And I said, "Are you serious?" And and I just said, "I said, and I, I you know, I was shocked, guys, because mm-hmm. you know that that that's a whole nother that's a whole nother box that I don't understand and I've never experienced." And I said, "Jeffy, I said, do you have any idea what you said?" He said, "I have no clue, not one clue." And I crazy. said,
3: "What do you think Jesus was really and
2: Holy Spirit was really trying to get you to see through all this?" I said, "Do you just feel so loved by the Father, so so taken care of?" And guys, I, I cannot tell you—he just had the biggest smile on his face and, and the biggest joy-filled um, um, face I've ever seen in my life. And he just said, "Yes, I feel so loved. I feel so taken care of." And I, I gotta tell you guys. That was a real experience, and that was something that God used to encourage me, even though it was something very strange to me and and very much out of my comfort zone, that God was just showing me, I am here, I'm showing up, I love you, I'm honoring what you're doing, I'm honoring your faith, and it's just crazy, guys. You can't make
1: that stuff up. Yeah, Mm, That's absolutely fantastic, and I love, I really, really love that story because it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, how, God doesn't just operate in this box, you know, that mm-hmm. we put Him in. He, he is so fantastic and powerful, and He shows up through all sorts of ways. And we talked last, I think it was the week before last, uh, on Christmas Eve, we talked about how, you know, usually whenever you think of the King of Glory coming into the world, you're thinking of, you know, high class, and you're thinking of kings and, and you know, riding clouds and throwing lightning and that type of thing. But then, you know, He was so humble, and He, he took the form of, of being born to a very young woman, very young man, and you know, like peasants, basically, and I think that that's just so beautiful. Is that you know the the power of God and the mind of God is so far beyond anything that we can that we can imagine, and and it's just so wonderful to hear stories like that. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah,
2: absolutely. God, God is good, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, God, God can do whatever He wants, and He's. He's so good. He really is amazing, and he's just—he's so cool. Like, like he—he did that, and that was just—and that was as much an encouragement for me as it was for that for that seventh grader. And Mm -hmm. you know, and God didn't have to do that, but he chose to do that. It's
0: just so cool. That's a really impactful story. That really is.
1: And I kind of want to—I want to go back uh, to uh, one, one of the other stories that you were talking about. How you felt. Um, God through a moment of uh, spiritual uh, need and and spiritual uh, desperation, so to say, and I think that that really really speaks to to all of us because I think that you know whenever we get to our lowest point, whenever we feel weakest, that's whenever God shows up and is strongest, and I think that it's really really important for us to realize, kind of going back to that humility, that as long as we see ourselves as great, or we, or we try to make ourselves something, you know, we are not going to be successful in what we're trying to do. And, and really, that surrender to God and, and seeing the the greatness and the glory and the love of God is the only way that we, we can be effective.
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah. Um,
1: is there another question? Let's see. I was trying to think of. If- so, if you were to pick one moment out of your life where you say that God completely just just changed your life, what would what would you say it was? Yeah,
2: um, I think I think it's a series of things and a series of experiences, a series of of encounters with God. You know, like I said, I I could point back to to when I was baptized when I was thirteen. I think that was Beginning of my journey, but you know there have been there have been moments and kind of different seasons of my life where I feel like God has has revived my spirit and revived um, to something inside of me, and so I can almost point to those, you know, as much or more. And so it, it just it really has just been a journey and a process. It's hard to point to one specific thing, um, you know, these, these different stories that I've told you guys, and I've got I've got others too, other stories, you know those are all moments and those are all instances in which God is, is reminding the reality to me and to us that he's personal, that he's here with us in the small things and the detail, that he goes before us, that he's behind us, uh, that he's good, that he's a gentleman. You know, he's not, he's not out to control us. That's why he gives us free will. And obviously he hopes and, that we choose him. Um, but I can't really point to one specific instance. It's, it's mm-hmm. really just been a, a gradual, uh, pursuit uh, of me and, uh, just kind of a gradual, um, wooing of me in, in my heart. And I just, I'm just amazed at his goodness, amazed of the way that he has in a lot of ways, it, it continues to kind of romance me, um, and, and
1: romance those who are seeking Him, you know? And, and that's what He does. He just keeps pursuing us. He keeps showing us. He keeps providing for us. Yeah. I really, really like um, like that answer because it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, how it's not just a one-time thing, but it's a daily thing where you have to decide on your dependence on God and, and trust in Him that day. And I think that that's, you know, I think that's really beautiful, and that speaks into the character of God, too, how we talked about he's very much about the process and not so much the big, big moments, but those little breadcrumbs that really lead to, uh, to him and, and where he wants us to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know,
2: those, those mountaintop experiences, those, you know, you know, life changing experiences that we have, um, they're great, um, they're needed, um, but, you know, the purpose of them is, is to build courage and build faith, I think ultimately, God delights in giving us experiences and giving us the emotions that go with it. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's a process. You know, even when the feelings fade, and even when that mountaintop experience fades, I think He's He's testing us in a lot of ways. Um, You know, are you going to stay faithful? Are you still going to trust me? Even though your feeling is not the same, even though that mountaintop experience is not the same, are you going to trust me? Mm, and, and I yeah. think that those, those those experiences are nice, those mountaintop
3: supernatural um, occurrences are great, but they're really
2: meant, I think, to sustain us in those dark times when we don't always feel it.
1: Hmm. That's really, really true. And I think um, I heard a, a statement once that the mountaintop experiences are, are awesome and they're incredible, but you have to go back down into the valley to get water. And I think that that's also very true, too, uh-huh. and, and that we can see... You know, God is Yeah, <laughs> and, and God is just amazing and He gives us those experiences, like you said, to sustain us in those dark times. And but also like in those dark times in those dark moments, like He shows up whenever we need Him and He says, like you were you were talking about whenever you were um, having that struggle of Satan coming into your head saying like Do you really want to be a teacher? Is this really the road? And then he and then God showing up and saying, Yes, this is the way, walk in it And it's just it's so beautiful because I've had some experiences in my life too, where I've been going down. Um, I've been going down a path, and and I just and I, you know, and and there was a dark moment, those valleys, and and I just started questioning stuff, and I started, you know, I really started feeling Satan tempt me to say, like, are you a Christian? Like, do you believe this? And then why is where is God right now? Whenever you really need him, and then he just kind of shows up in those moments and says, mm-hmm. "Yep, I'm still here. Nothing's changed," you know. And I think that that's just, yes. that's so beautiful, too, because the, un, the unwavering, unchanging character of God, it just, it is completely opposite of our culture. Yeah. And it's just so refreshing to have that constant love and that constant forgiveness and that constant, constant acceptance through Him and through the sacrifice of Jesus.
3: Yes, yes,
2: absolutely.
3: Amen.
1: That's good. I want to talk a little bit um, about spiritual revival a little bit you talked about how um, you during college you you really tried to go beyond just a faith that was your parents and really making it your own and I, I think that that's a such an important part in the spiritual walk especially for young Christians but you know old Christians as well like making that spiritual walk for you and making it personal and understanding why you believe what you believe and seeing God in your life I just think that that's such an important thing that we we should really really um, put put in the in the forefront you know and really have that as a priority in our lives yes yes I think uh, sorry are you Henry, are you asking just my thoughts on that? Are you, what are you asking specifically? Oh, yeah. Um, how have you – what do you think about uh, spiritual revival and seeing it in uh, people's lives, even like a long time after being baptized and stuff like that? Okay.
2: Um, let me make sure I understand, uh, understand the question. So, like, just what is my, what is my view on, on spiritual revival? What is my view on
1: um, having your own faith? I think I'm – let me make sure I understand the question. Uh yeah, it's just it's you know, just elaborate more on uh what you believe about that sort of thing and and how you've seen it in your life. Yeah. Um, well you know, just speaking from experience
3: and 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 knowing my story, um, again, it's the moment
2: and I don't know again, I don't know that I can point to a moment, but I kinda know the season and the process. But the season and the process of of me really owning my faith, you know, my relationship with God and how I view God completely changed, 100%. And everybody, every single person has to get to a point in their life that says, this is mine, this is, you know, I have to own, Mm -hmm. um, I have to own what I believe. You know, this is no Mm -hmm. longer... Uh, my mom's faith, this is no longer my my grandfather's faith, this is no longer my dad's faith, I have to own and I have to decide for myself is this true, is this real, do I really really believe that I need God do I really really believe that I am fallen, that I have a sin nature and that I need Jesus and do I really believe that he's the only way and Mm. when we seek that when we ask those questions if it's gen, you know, if it's genuine and and we act in faith, God will a hundred percent meet us exactly where we are, and and even and even if we we um, rebel in that, He's still going to chase after us, and He's mm-hmm. going to do it in different ways. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we make that decision for ourselves, everything changes. Mm-hmm. Everything shifts. One hundred percent.
1: That's fantastic. And I, I just kind of want to take a moment and really talk about that, about how everything can change. And it's just very, it's so counter cultural. It really is. And I know I've said that a couple times, but it really is because our culture says you are one way and you can't change. This isn't, you know, you are just a makeup of biology and you, you are, uh, you, you are basically destined to fall into the same trap over and over again. And and Jesus offers a different way than that. And He says, no, 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 you have a spirit, you have a soul, you have a desire to look for things that are greater than yourself. And that is so much, so much deeper than anything that this world can offer. And I think, you know, uh, to our listeners, like if you are not a Christian, if you're starting to wonder about these sort of things, dig into that and, and ask those questions and really search for that and say, um do, how am i feeling about this you know do i believe this if i don't believe this why do i not believe this and and really dive into that and ask those serious questions those hard questions and and you know if you search for him with all your heart he will show up and he will meet you halfway mm-hmm. and you know maybe yeah. the first step maybe the first step of that is just saying a prayer and saying god you know i've never talked to you before you know i don't know if you're there but like you know i want to believe or i want to look into this or maybe just just saying like hi you know who knows you know but he yeah, will yeah. he will show up if you search for him with all your heart oh absolutely he he, he is looking for those who are looking for him and mm-hmm. he's just he's just waiting
3: and and like i said earlier he's a gentleman about it you know he he, he doesn't want to force us to do anything because first of all
2: love requires free will and he mm-hmm. wants us to choose him, but he's a gentleman about it, but he is waiting on us to to, to see to seek him, you know, and at the same time he's pursuing us, but he's, he's waiting on us. And let me go back. You mentioned, Henry, about, you know, asking questions.
3: I think um, even in the church it's really easy to um, fall under the, the thought that, you know, questions are bad, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. and, and asking. Questions, You know, we, we shouldn't have any doubts, or we shouldn't have any questions about this or that. But, I, you know, God's not scared
2: of those things. You know, He can mm-hmm. handle mm-hmm. it. Um, he, I think that God is, is, is honored, honestly, by the search, and he, he delights in that search. I think that He delights in those questions, and He wants us to ask some hard questions that a lot of times I think even the church has, has, has kind of frowned upon that we shouldn't ask questions. But I think that questions asked create an authenticity, and that authenticity
1: creates this beautiful, organic relationship. You know? I completely agree, and I think kind of going back to that idea that questions are such an integral part, and there's kind of like a stigma about it in church, you know, there's so much more, there's a deeper understanding that we could have by asking those questions and really, um, and really owning those, those answers to, you know, the, the answers that God gives us. And I think that, that that cultivates a deeper faith than just you know going to church and and you know living however outside of it. And I think that you know especially looking at into the spiritual aspect and making a faith that is your own. I think it's important also to note that uh, this is a little off topic, but it's something that I thought about earlier. That the life of a Christian is not inside the walls of the church. The life of a Christian is what you do outside of the church.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, Well, the, que- the questions make you dig deeper into God's Word. That's one of the things, you know. Whenever I, I mentioned this on the previous podcast, or maybe before, that you know, I was debating this atheist one time, and he was bringing up all these different questions and things. So it made me go and research all this stuff, and it made my faith even deeper. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. <laughs> And I think like whenever we ask those difficult questions, yes, you know, testing of faith, you know, I think there's like a fear of that in a way, but there shouldn't be because, you know, faith tested by fire is stronger than faith that hasn't been tested by fire.
2: Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely.
1: Definitely. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, God 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 wants all of us. He he wants our he wants our honesty, you know. Any mm-hmm. any human relationship, um that that has depth to it has has been through things and, and has asked deep yeah. and com- had deep conversations and asked hard questions and, it, and honestly it, it it's the same thing with with Jesus it's the same thing with Holy Spirit it's the same thing with God
3: you know I think that He's inviting us to wrestle with Him <laughs> yeah.
2: we can obviously do it respectfully and we can do it um, knowing and understanding that. God and we're not God
3: Um,
2: at the same time I I know that he he is just honored by that and he wants that he wants us to go deeper he wants us to ask questions he wants us to wrestle with the
1: hard things Mm -hmm. Mm, that's very true
0: definitely well Brayden, thank you very much for being on this podcast this has been really impactful for me and Henry you know, I really looked up to you in sixth grade, and still do now. You have so much wisdom that you bring to the table. But thank you so very much for being on this podcast and for sharing your wisdom.
2: Hey guys, thank you for having me. Tonight. Again, um, I we can't, I can't say this enough, and we can't say this enough. Um, anything I do and anything that we can do, guys, it, mm-hmm. it's. it's it, it's about Him, and it's mm-hmm. because of His power. It's Him giving us the Word. It's Him giving us the wisdom. You know, uh, I, I I participated in this, and I said yes to this, and, and God is honoring my faith and, and your guys' faith in this, and God's going to use it, but it, it's Him. So I, I appreciate mm, you saying that. I'm going to accept that, and I'm going to um, hold on to that. But it, it, it's really about Him, and I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for
0: the encouragement. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Well, this has been the Steadfast Podcast. We will see you next week. Out.